Good morning. This last week I was listening to testimonies, and this one guy was talking about how he, he was married to his wife, and he wasn't saved at the time, and she became a Christian through a nurse they met. So he was still drinking and partying, and she became a believer, and then just one morning, it was Resurrection Sunday, he goes, I was sleeping over a hangover, and she goes, why don't you come to church with me? He goes, all right, I'm going to get her out of this cult. So he goes to church, he hears the gospel, how Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Man could never get to God, God came to man. No matter what man did, how many laws he kept or didn't keep, you know, it's the only, it's the only belief system where God came down. Everything else is man still working. And you never really have that insurance. And when you stop and receive what he's given you, then you reconcile to God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, which was in the garden. And so he walked away going, well, I still don't believe it, but if it's true, it has a great effect on my life. Well, he was an investigative journalist. He goes, I'm going to put the same demands. He was, you know, he worked for the Chicago Tribune, won awards, the same demands. Like you could say, Josephus, he really lived, or Alexander the Great, he really lived. Did Jesus Christ really live? And he goes, he said, I'll tell you about a weekend. A year and nine months later, he came to the conclusion Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He looked at the evidence, and Jesus really did die outside sources of the Word of God. He really did live outside sources of the Word of God. He really did rise again outside. See, he said, he said it was just wasn't one thing. It was a lot of things. And so he, he went on to write over 20 books. They made a movie about his life, The Case for Christ, uh, Lee Strobel. He, won, he was on CNN, Fox News. But then I heard another testimony of a Jewish man. And he talked about how his journey, how he received Christ. And he says, well, I was in college. My friend that was a girl, she was a drug addict, and she was just in a dark place. And then I saw her a while later, and she was smiling and happy. And he goes, what happened? She goes, I walked in a pool hall, and the owner became a Christian. And he went up to me, and he says, do you want to receive Jesus? And he started witnessing to me, and I received Christ. See, whether it's a year and nine months or one conversation, it is still the same power. It's the same power. See, the truth of the matter is Jesus was always the resurrection and the life. When he went to the Lazarus, the tomb of the grave, he didn't say, I will be when I rise from the dead. He says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And because he is, he can speak to dead things. And so today he's going to speak to dead things in our life, hope, because Jesus was a resurrection of life. He always was. But what's different about Lazarus, what was different about the grave, there was a demand put on that power. When dead things put a demand on that power with our participation, they can come to life. God does many things without us. It, you, it doesn't matter. if You can sit down, walk away from God. This gospel will be preached with or without you. Revival will happen with or without you. People will get saved with or without you. But your purpose and destiny will not happen with or without you. It must be with you. Sometime back, Kirk preached a message. It was awesome. He talked about lightning. Heaven puts stuff in us. Like, I have a desire to pray more, read the word. That's from him. You, there's nothing good that comes from you. It's from him. It's his desire. When you respond to that, then heaven responds to what it put in you. So it's a participation. It's like lightning. Lightning comes from heaven to earth, back to heaven, and then back down. Amen? A couple of days before I was asked to preach, this message came in my heart. It's a well-known passage of Scripture. Uh, I'm going to read it, and then uh, we'll, we'll discuss it. It says, in Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and said, set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, the backdrop of Ezekiel 37 is Israel was under Babylonian rule. Now, this is after the Exodus, after the miracles, after they were coming out. 
And so he said, can these bones, and he took Ezekiel in a vision, and he showed him all these dry bones, and he walked back and forth, and he said to Ezekiel, prophesy over the dry bones. He was, Ezekiel was participating with God in what God was going to do. God did not say, watch me, Ezekiel. There's things where God will say, watch me, get out of my way. Then there's other things he says, come with me. Now, God is not afraid of death. He was over the, the surface of the earth, and it was dark. God did not say, I don't like darkness. And he spoke to the darkness and said, let there be light. See, the resurrection and the power is not afraid of death. Death is afraid of the resurrection and the power. When light comes in, darkness flees. When Jesus showed up, demons cried out. When Jesus showed up, sickness left. See, but the problem is, the question is, and I want to focus on one word, can these bones live? See, it's very different. He didn't say, can those bones live? Can that man live? Can these bones live in this midst? It's very different. Can God heal somebody in Africa? Yes. Can God heal you? It's very different, these bones. God put a marriage together as a testimony on the screen. That's one thing, but can your marriage, can this, these live? It's very different. See, it's our bones. And he walked back and forth, and he said, and he said can these bones live? And he said, God, you know. Let me give you, let me give you my interpretation. I don't think so, but I'm not going to tell you because he was face to face. You guys want to hear some great revelation? You might want to take notes about this. In order for something to be raised from the dead, it must be dead. <laughs> not living, not where it's on life support, not where you're doing CPR. Revelation calls about the second death. Where everything is thrown in the lake of fire, there's a second death. But spiritually, I think there's a second death. It's not when you lay it down at the altar. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you this. I give you all this. There's a death. But there's a second death where you didn't lie, lay it down. It just died. There's a death that you didn't give up. It just gave up on you. And it is hope. See, when he says, when he, he said, Ezekiel, this is Israel. This is Israel. And they're saying our hope is cut off. But he said, speak to these bones. But here's, here we, we celebrated the communion. Lena talked about Passover. Year after year, they'd recognize Passover. But that was then. This is now. See, God brought them out of Egypt. Here they are again. They, they rejected God. Here they are again under captivity. They went to the idols, they didn't keep the Sabbath, child sacrifices, all these things in this land. And here they are again, but year after year they would talk about the Passover. And they would, you know, they'd, they'd remember the Passover for seven days, the Bible says. It wasn't like one day like we do here, it was like seven days, seven days. But why was their hope cut off? Because that was then, these are these bones. See, can these bones live? Do you believe that God brought Israel out of Egypt? All, all the Jewish people would say, yes, he brought them out. Can you believe he's going to bring you out of Babylon? No, because their hope was cut off. So I prophesied, I was commanded, I speak. See, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you really have hope, now let's understand something. When God wants to bring life on something, it is not by you, just like you got saved, it's not you willing it. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that up again, to hope again, to believe things. And let's look at Adam, the resurrection of power. God breathed into Adam something that never existed before. There it was, a lump of clay. And he breathed life into it. He didn't bring it back to life. He brought it to life for the first time. And I'm telling you, God can bring things in your life to, for the first time that never existed before. You didn't know you were a preacher, but all of a sudden there's life. You didn't know you could have a good marriage. All of a sudden there's life. You didn't know your kids could walk with God. All of a sudden there's life. It never existed before. There is Adam. He just doesn't bring things back together from the dead. He brings things that never existed, that were never there alive for the first time. Some of you have never had hope that God has a purpose for your life. Can your bones live? Can these bones? See, some of you know my story about my brother Jim. Now, you got to imagine, I used to come to work. I'd be the first one. There's a couch. I remember just praying for my brother Jim. I, I, there was a heaviness, and we would talk and stuff. And he didn't tell me everything he was doing. He was, he was living in Las Vegas. He was 
so drunk. He picked up a homeless guy. He was drunk. He picked up a homeless guy and said, hold my beer. Then he's, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, and I love Las Vegas, not for the gamma, I just love the food and the rides. Uh, and he was so drunk, he was drove on the sidewalk, he thought it was a road because the sidewalks are so wide. 35 miles an hour. Later, he told me after he, was, he says it was like the Red Sea. People were just, I bet you they were just jumping. He almost hit two cops on, bike, on a bike. He, he's, he would have been, the judge would have threw away the key. But I was praying. I was participating with God. Because God put, when I walked in, I didn't go, I wasn't thinking, God put a burden on my heart. John, will you respond to this burden? Because I need someone who will stand in the gap. God uses man. He uses our participation. Angels aren't standing on the street corner and preaching. They're not calling the altar call this morning. He needs your participation. Can these bones live? Son of man, he took him for where he was. He brought him to the bones. God wants to take us to those dry and dirty places that abuse, hurt, emotional wounds. Yes, somebody had a testimony they were healed from their emotional wound. But can he heal the bones in your life of those emotional wounds? Yes and amen. So I was praying. See, I was praying for Jim. Now, at the time, I was going to a rehab a drug rehab, but my friend was preaching, I wouldn't preach, and all these guys, you know, they get up and they talk about their drug, you know, their heroin, cocaine, and I, I would meet them. Uh, I got to know a guy, he was a lieutenant in the Mexican mafia, and he walked away. You just don't walk away from the Mexican mafia. You don't say, oh, I was born again. They say, oh, good. He was telling me testimonies. He goes, John, when I received Christ, I saw colors for the first time in my life. I'm still friends with him today. He goes, everything was black and white, and they were so respected where he was going because they knew the man was going. He, they said, you can go there to that rehab. And you can help him. But if you say anything, we are going to kill you. But here it is. It's my brother. It's these bones. It's not a testimony that I heard. It's these bones. And so I was praying for him. I was praying for him. Can these bones live? John, can I save your brother? Am I still the resurrection of life? Or was I the resurrection of life? Is it just something we celebrate year after year? Oh, it's Easter. Oh, it's Resurrection Day. Oh, it's Passover. But they had no hope from where they were at. Their hope was cut off. Year after year, they would, they would recognize the Passover. Seven days, they'd recognize the Passover. Yes, God brought them out of Egypt. But can God bring me out of Babylonia? Very different. See, it's these bones. It's this family. It's his situation. It's my brother. See, everything changes. John, can I save your brother? And he got saved all by himself in another country. Now, I talked to him many times. He got radically saved, radically saved. My dad told me one time, he goes, you saved Jim too good. I said, Dad, first of all, I didn't save him. Second of all, I go, do you remember how he was? Look at his arms. You can see burn marks on his arms. Cutting. Tried to run over his girlfriend with a car, driving drunk on Las Vegas. Would you rather have that gym or this gym? He goes, this gym. I go, okay, then. I didn't save him too good. No, I didn't save him, Dad. God did. I participated with him. He said, John, can these bones live? And so when and, and the breath of life, when the breath of life comes, everything changes. So he says, I heard a rattling. And the, and, the, and, the, and the muscles and everything came together, and there was form, and they stood up. And that's where a lot of us stop. It's good enough. See, that's a lot of us stopping my life. You know, I'm, I'm preaching now. I'm witnessing now. I have a family now. I have kids now. I, I helping the kids. I do this. I, you know, I'm a good person. I, I, I witness to the p- person that cuts my hair. I do a lot of good things. And God says, there's more that, to life I want to bring to your life than just that. And I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm talking about issues in our character that we want gone. He can bring life to that. Not somebody just on the stage giving a testimony, your bones in your life. You can be different because of him. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It's not because of me. It's because of him. In my own life, I'm like, okay, I want to be recognized, be more kinder, especially when I drive. You know, I cut people off, and then I cut in front of them, you know, honk. And I was driving with Pastor Allen one day, and there's some of the light. I went and honked his horn. Oh, man. He just, he just froze. He goes, they can shoot us. <laughs> don't worry, Allen, you're with me. No, he goes, he goes, don't ever honk my horn again. Sometimes I'll honk, 
and, and I'll be honking. Someone in another lane is like, not even in my lane on their phone. So I'm like, okay, I want to be recognized. Well, it's not me just recognizing. It's the Holy Spirit, amen? So it's not just about preaching or, or getting married or making money. It's about God flowing through us. Any area in our life that is dead or has never existed, God can breathe the breath of life. See, he used his words to create everything except man and woman. He used his hands. He didn't use his words. He breathes his life. And actually, the Bible says he made man but formed women. We won't get into that. You look at women's it's just shape. See, it's, it's a very specific language. He made man, but he formed woman. And so he said, let there be light, and let there be this. But with man, he got down on his level. And he formed it with his hands. He didn't use his words. He touched him. See, God wants to touch you. This, if this message is just words, it'll go right over your head. It is only by the Holy Spirit that he says, hey, let's go to this area. Let's go to this dry bones and say, can these bones live? It's not about my bones or my brother's bones. See, when I was praying for Jim, he was my brother. It was these bones. It wasn't a testimony. It wasn't a story I read in a book. It wasn't a biography or an autobiography. It wasn't someone on stage. It was my brother that I loved and grew up with. It was my brother. And so it was, he was close to me. And those things are close to me as God wants us to arise. Amen? So I prophesied I was at commandment, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise. See, a lot of times we'll hear something before we see it. And so we want to see revival or see people married or see kids or see our healing or see things. But sometimes we need just to hear him saying, it is done. I remember when I was praying for my dad. My dad was, grew up a Catholic, and he, he didn't like the fact that I became a Christian. He was a heavy drinker. He was not born again. And I was just praying for him. I'll never forget it. I was, in, I was in the bathroom getting ready. I was just praying for him. It was like I was begging God, and I just felt like it was done. And I stopped praying. I knew it was done because I heard him. I didn't see him get saved. I heard and so I just started thanking him. The next week, my brother Jim called me and says, the one that was driving drunk on the Las Vegas that I prayed for, he says, John, I was with that. He received Jesus, and he said, the whole room filled with peace. So the one that was pulled out pulled someone else out. And the week after that, my dad went to the Lord's seat because I heard before I saw. If you wait till you see that there's life, Ezekiel didn't go, I'm going to wait and see. But notice there was participation. There needs to be constant communication with God. One prophetic word, you won't fulfill it. You need to keep walking with him. How will that word be fulfilled? Yes, you're going to go to the nations. You don't know what nation, what time, what person, what spouse. You need to keep communicating. See, he, keep, he kept communicating with Ezekiel. And if you think just one word from God can change your life, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of words from God will continue to change your life. See, a lot of people come and get a prophetic word or they get a healing then they'll walk away from because they haven't had that constant communion with him see jesus says i do what he's doing i say what he's saying it's not like instructions like a boss go clean the bathroom go do this no no it's somebody he says i'm gonna go and i'm gonna give you one just like me and he's gonna be in you and on you and as you walk with him then there's constant communication with him see it's not just oh i I have a promise you have a promise but you need to be connected to the promise keeper or that promise will never come to pass you will die with a list of promises. But as you communicate with him and walk with him, and see, when, when things get raised from the dead, they're different than when they went down. They actually rise up more glorious. And a lot of us have dead things in our life, and we want the same thing to be raised from the dead. But he wants the glorious to come up. See, Jesus did not rise like he was. He walked through walls. He said, touch me. He, see, he was different. Even John couldn't even be in his presence to revelation. It's not the same Jesus that went down. Those dead things in your life are not the same things that are going to come up. It was more glorious. So God's saying, let 
me handle this, but work with me. Speak what I speak. Say what I say. See, the breath of life did not come from Ezekiel, but he prophesied over the breath of life. Prophesy over your kids. Look at yourself in the mirror. God has a plan for my life. See, it's communication with him. Jesus died on the cross. Why? And so what happens is many Christians are no different than the Jewish people. Year after year, the Passover, the Passover, but there they were in Babylonian under captivity. Didn't think they would be free. See, that was then, this is now. That was them, this is us. That's a crusade in Africa, this is here. That's a revival in Pensacola over 25 years ago, friends. Over 25 years. You know what? God is not a history teacher. God is not a history teacher. He does not teach you history just so you know facts. He teaches you history so you walk with him today in in the truth. See, when we read the word of God, it's not, oh, see, year after year they celebrated Passover, seven days, seven days, seven days, but still they had no hope. Year after year we come to Resurrection Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, but those dead things are still dead in my life. It's time we apply and put the demand of the resurrection power on our dead things. And see, a lot of times we don't know what's dead. Because some of our passion's dead, and God says, I want to touch that. God, I want you to bless my finances. I want to renew your passion. God, help change my wife. No, 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 no. I want to look at your heart. Those dead things. You used to love me. If you look at the letters in Revelation, every letter is different. If God was going to write us a letter, it'd be different. Some of us would be, remember your first love. You've walked away. He didn't say, you have great numbers, great success. See, friends, you can be on top of the world. But in God's eyes, you're far from him. And see, I'm not just speaking to you guys. I'm speaking to everybody on the podcast and your friends and stuff. Because Jesus was not religious. In fact, the religious people, it was his biggest problem, not sinners. Because they, he did not fit in the box. He did, they didn't understand. So he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. After the, the muscles and the skin. Because a lot of times we think things can come back to life at a certain point, just like Lazarus. If you were here earlier, you could, have, you could have healed him. But now it's too late. See, Jesus, if you were there at that time, I wouldn't have had this situation or that situation. And see, it wasn't just people. It was bones that were dry for a long time. No skin, no muscles, no tendons. And so there you see the shape. There you see the form. And he says, so I prophesied. As he, so he says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it. See, the breath did not come from Ezekiel, but he was participating with God in it. Amen? And he said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is what God says. Not this is what I say. God, we want to agree with what you're saying, not just have you just, we command it and it happens. I'm going to go to China and lead a revival. No, it's been prophesied over me that I'm going to lead a revival in Latin America. I need to do what he says. I can't be in Beijing going, revival, revival, revival. God's going to be going, go home, go home, go home. <laughs> People get set, and that's the problem. There's fruit in that, and they go, I have fruit. Friends, if you want much fruit, you need to do what he's doing. You need to be in the vineyard he's at. That's why you need to be at the church he's planted you, not the one you like, the one he has for you, because you don't know what you need. That's another message. That's for those other people. This is what the sovereign Lord says. So you see Ezekiel, who's a prophet. This is not some guy who just got saved last week. He is a prophet, and yet he still communicates with God. I don't care how long you've been saved, how many gifts you have, you still need to communicate with him. I don't care your last altar call was a million people, friends. If you don't communicate with him, it's just numbers. To him, it's people with real lives. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that we may live. 
The dead may live again. There's a generation that says we're cut off. Religion's not for us. This isn't for us. There's so many people that don't even want to have kids because they see the future. And God's saying, next generation, I want to breathe breath over you. So not that you're just going to stay in your house, hoard up your guns, hoard up your food. No, so you go out and change the world. I'm not saying you don't stock up. But I'm saying it's just like prayer. You can pray from worry or pray from faith. A lot of people say, oh, pray for my son, pray for this. It's just worry. Well, you say, hey, agree with me that we're going to go to heaven and we're going to see change in the earth. See, there's a difference. See, words, are, words can be words, friends, but when there's breath on them. See, when I was praying for my brother Jim, I wasn't going, God, I don't want him to die. He says, Lord, you know there's a plan on his life. You know that plan was for the foundation of the world. I want to see him walk in that plan. I don't care what devil or demon, because when Jesus died, all hell tried to hold him down. And I know all hell's not trying to hold my brother, just a few lame old demons. So when you show up, you can change it. He was all by himself in another country, Turkey, that's not even a Christian country, and he got born again. Nobody was around, no TV channel. No, He didn't need me, but he used my prayers, my participation. He says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up there on their feet, a vast army. That's what's coming on the earth, a vast army from him. Those that thought religion was one way, he's bringing them up. They got hurt in the church, he's bringing them up. Those that have never encountered him, they're getting dreams and visions. And You're going to see in colleges and universities and things are going to break out. They're not going to be able to contain it. Friends, a vast army is coming up. And he said to me, those that have been in the side, marginalized, overlooked, and dry. He said, a man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, and we are cut off. So it was the hope that was dead and dry. And he says, this hope, and he brought them out. Can you go to Israel today? Yeah, it's a country. It wasn't when they were under Babylonian rule. You see it. You see the country. Where's Babylon? It's, it, it, was, it was swallowed up. Where's Rome? It's ruins. But here's Israel still living. His promises are still come down. In Revelation, we see this is a new Jerusalem coming down. See, God doesn't forget his promises. Amen? They knew well the exodus from Egypt. We're not going to be long today. I'm just going to sum this up, and we're going to pray a little bit, because here's the truth. You can hear my words just like they heard Passover. Every year, they'd, you know, they'd celebrate Passover, and they'd do the thing at the table, and they'd hear the words, but it wasn't for them. It was the past. It was the history. See, when you have dry bones, sometimes it doesn't matter how many testimonies you hear. You want God to touch you. But here's the truth. He is the resurrection of life, and he always was. He always was. He's, when he saw Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection of life. Before he died, he said that. He didn't say, I'll be. But the grave put a demand on that power so we could see who he always was. See, Jesus didn't become powerful when he died. He was always powerful. He was so powerful, he didn't come off the cross. Because if I had that power, as soon as they touched me one time, they're all dead. See, that's his power to, to be able to hold himself back to go, no, 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 because it's not what you thought. And when he rose up, 40 days, he walked the earth. See, there was 40 years in Israel where they were in unbelief in the desert. And there was 40 years where he walked the earth. See, for every year of unbelief, Jesus walked. And not only did he rise again, he rose up the saints of old. And he brought them to that place where they were contained in Abraham's bosom. It's as far, you were righteous in your area, but not righteous enough to go to heaven. So you must be contained here until my blood washes you. And there's things in our life that have been contained and at a certain level, but when the breath of life comes in, it brings us out of that level, and they were, and they were released to go to the Father. Amen? 
And so there's things in your life. So I don't know if you just close your eyes for a second. I don't know in your life what's dry. I don't know if it's your passion. I don't know if it's your belief that a loved one can be saved. I don't know if it's your belief that you'll be married or have kids or your life, you'll ever walk in the purpose and destiny God has for you. I don't know if it's some words people have spoke over you or what you've spoken over yourself, but he is the resurrection and the life. And may this not be just a history lesson where Jesus died and rose again. See, he was always the resurrection of life, but there was a demand put on him on Resurrection Sunday where he rose up. So, Lord, I thank you that we put a demand on that power today and every dry thing in our life, God, everything we think about this generation or though the older generation, God, I thank you that we see people as you see them and we see ourselves as you see us. We see our life as you see us, Lord. I thank you a vast army is standing up. I say we see Say, breathe again on the dry bones, Lord. Oh, breath, Lord, we want to work with you, God. We want to communicate with you, God. We want to have that constant communion, God. Yes, we hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way walking it. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you more than we realize. We need you more than we ever thought. We need you. Lord, we, you know, revivals of old, God, I just don't want to study revivals of old, God, of even Pensacola or Toronto, God, or Wesley and Finney and Spurgeon. They're all gone, but God, you're still here. See, the, God's workmen die, but his work continues. So, Lord, I thank you for raising up the no names, the marginalized, those people that aren't even saved yet that are going to be saved, and then they're going to start in the vast army. Some of your loved ones are coming in. I thank you, Jesus, for a new way a new life. I thank you for another generation. God, I thank you for not just dry bones, but bringing life to things that never existed in our life. Some of you have been reading the word and it's been dry, but I say that revelation of the word has come into your life in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Yes. Yes. We don't stop, God, when it's just formed. We don't stop when we hear a noise. Oh, I hear about revival. I heard about the prophecy. I heard about the promises. No, 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 God, we're not stopping with just ink on a page. Year after year, they'd celebrate. Year after year, this Passover, but they always thought it's not for us. God, I thank you. It is for us. It's for this church. It is for this time. It is for this hour. It's for this people. It's for this generation, God, the ones living and the ones coming. Yes, I thank you for Children's Church, God. I thank you. They will experience revival at the epicenter in their own place, God. I thank you. Your spirit's pouring out, Lord. I thank you for young people seeing visions and dreams and prophesying. God, and I thank you for old men will see dreams. Lord, I thank you for calling out every ministry, even in, in the old folks' homes. I thank you for an increase of prayer and intercession. God. It's not just the mic. The most important thing is you, one-on-one, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. It's not a stage. It's not a platform. This is an altar. The more we die to ourselves, the more he can move. So, Lord, I thank you for breathing on dry bones. And I thank you, Jesus, you are not afraid of death. You always knew you were going to face it and overcome it. They just didn't know. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord. You're not just a history teacher and you just want to go back. You're a today, God. In Jesus' name, amen.